0: Get a job. These words are shouted to homeless people every day. I'm Bonita Cornute, and today on Healthy You, we're talking about why your mother, sister, or daughter may be living on the street. Back in a minute. Walking in the Light, St. Philip's Evangelical Lutheran Church in the Ville is your community. Participate with the Empowerment Network, focusing on prostate cancer in African-American men immigrant English language classes, and the coat drive. Be a part of the group. Join us. The perception of homelessness is not the reality. The fastest growing homeless population is women and children. 90% are single mothers who are domestic violence victims and have no financial or emotional support. Here with me is Laura Halfman Morris, Before joining the Legal Services of Eastern Missouri as co-manager of the Lasting Solutions Program, she worked in homeless services. Laura, welcome to Healthy You. Thank you for joining us and uh, coming here to talk to us a little bit about this issue. Um, Before we talk about your current position, can you explain why so many women and children are homeless?
1: Yes, and thank you so much for having this conversation. Um, I think the reasons why folks are unhoused are vast you know, are so numerous. I think one top reason is just the lack of affordable housing right now in our community. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has tried to look for an apartment recently or a house knows how much rents have gone up in the St. Louis region, um, even in the last five years or so. And it can be really challenging for somebody, particularly if they have children and need more than a one bedroom, mm-hmm. to find something that they can afford, maybe on a part-time salary.
0: Is there, is there greater options if they're looking for um, subsidized housing through uh, public housing?
1: You know, subsidized housing can be an incredible tool for folks. But the list of people who are eligible and would benefit for that is so long. In fact, in our St. Louis City and in, in St. Louis County uh, region, you cannot get on the Section 8 wait list. Um, it opens about every four years, frankly. Then there's public housing options, but those are limited in, to the space where that complex is. And the wait lists for that are also incredibly long if they're even open.
0: And is it traditionally that it is a mother and, ch- and her children and multiple children? It's never... Uh, well, I shouldn't say never, but it's often a situation where she's looking for housing for herself and mo- more than one child.
1: It's Sometimes, you know, but I, I certainly have plenty of clients right now that it's just mom and, and one kiddo. You oh. know? And sometimes dad as well. You know, we see all types of families groups that are experiencing homelessness at this point.
0: Well, we've seen lots of stories about employed women um, who have been... Uh, abused living in cars with their children. Is this a reality and why is it happening?
1: I mean, sadly, yes. It is something that happens in our community. I think when somebody is experiencing violence from, particularly from an intimate partner, and they realize that it's no longer safe for them to stay in that place, uh, they look at what options they have, right? They can stay in harm's way at their home. Uh, They can look to a shelter maybe Uh, but our shelters are are full all the time frankly Um, they can be a great that can be a great option if you get in uh, but for some families it just doesn't work well right and then you know sometimes staying in your car is a safer option than than being with that abusive partner
0: i was just wondering about that how dangerous is that though living in your car where do you where do you park it where do you stay
1: i mean certainly not ideal right but What's the other option? Certainly, if somebody tries to file for an order of protection, mm-hmm. uh, they could get an order saying that the the abusive partner has to leave the home. Um, but that doesn't work for everyone for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have clients that I work with that that doesn't even feel safe, right that the the person who has used harm against them still knows where they are at uh, um, and so for the you know for the reasons we just talked about of of why. Somebody may not be able to move immediately into housing. The lack of affordable housing, the difficulty of finding that. Um, it can be hard for somebody who's trying to leave an abusive partner get into housing right away. A lot of the folks we work with in fact are, you know, of course are experiencing maybe physical violence, maybe sexual violence, maybe um, a lot of mental abuse, but frankly a lot of financial abuse, Yes. right? And that can look a lot of different ways. For some of the people I work with, that means they have no access to the finances, even if they're Ah. the one who's working. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, you know, you have to still ask for money. You don't have control of the bank account. You don't have control of your paycheck. For other folks I work with, everything was in their name. All of the bills, Mm -hmm. all of the finances. And so if money uh, becomes tight, if you you know, fall behind on your electric bell. If you get evicted because of the violence that's happened and, you know, the landlord says, eh, you got to get out. Uh, whether that's lawful or not, then our client is the one who's hit.
0: You just said something, lawful. Mm-hmm. So some of these evictions may be unlawful. That, uh, how, how does that work?
1: Well, certainly we see sometimes the landlords don't like to see the police coming to their property. Right, that it's a nuisance, Uh Uh, they may tell the person, you need to get out of here, I can't do this, this isn't safe for my other tenants, this isn't safe for my property. Um, Sometimes for our, or sometimes our clients just say, I need to leave, and they they choose to get out of that property, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not the landlord takes them to court. I see.
0: Okay. Well, I was just trying to figure out if there's a, uh, are there any protections for that person who may be pushed out by the landlord simply due to his or her dislike for the number of nuisance calls?
1: Absolutely. So there are protections and the landlord has to file an eviction lawsuit to force somebody to leave their apartment or their house. Mm -hmm. If you're renting, you have to file that case. Um, And the judge has to sign off and say, yes, you need to leave. And there are some protections now for folks who have experienced violence, particularly in subsidized housing. Um, There's some protections under the Violence Against Women Act. Ah. Um, Our community also uh, has protection. Recently, I think 2021, we passed a law saying that uh, if you are experiencing domestic violence, you can break your lease. You can ask the landlord. Ah. Now their landlord is allowed to charge reasonable fees, which is a hard part of the law. Because what does reasonable mean? <laughs> reasonable like
0: uh, a fee to leave the property? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're kidding, what okay. is that called?
1: Uh, that's, that's how the law names it, is that. Mm-hmm. Ah, I didn't know that was. But okay. so there are protections, that's a new thing in Missouri, frankly, um, to at least allow somebody to leave. Um, but still some challenges there.
0: Absolutely. Well, tell us how does what you do now connect to your previous work?
1: Absolutely, so I was working with transitional housing program with large families and about 75% of my clients had experienced domestic violence while in the program or before entering the program and it was the primary cause for their homelessness. Uh, So I was seeing how in individual families, this makes such a big impact on somebody's stability. And of course it does, right? And so that actually got me interested in how, what can I do more to address domestic violence in our community? Mm -hmm. And my work now, a a large majority of my clients are looking for housing, are needing shelter or leaving shelter, are needing um, financial assistance to get into, you know, pay the security deposit or a first month's rent to get into a new place Um, or doubled up with family and friends. You know, it's very common in our community of while you're in between places. So, you'll help them
0: uh, locate or find the resources that will will hold them over while they're looking for? That's the
1: goal, right? As somebody is receiving legal assistance from our attorneys um, on a family law case, we have social workers who are able to help somebody address some of these housing concerns and, and work towards their housing goals. And where does that money come from? I mean, is that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Is is that a crime victims um, fund, so to speak? Typically not crime victims fund, but uh, there are a couple local foundations that do work. And there's, you know, St. Louis has a wealth of different organizations that can help um, sometimes, you know. So it's tapping into who may have funds at any given time um, and trying to help somebody navigate those options and what might work for their situation.
0: Have you encountered a family that, has been more challenging than than most because of the size, maybe, I or resistance on the part of the the mom.
1: You know, I think some families experience more barriers than others to getting Such to is. finding housing, to maybe having a disability or a disabled child that makes it very difficult to work, right? Oh. Um, and then what what do you do when you had based your life on having a two parent household where one person was working and one person could care for that child?
0: What happens? What do you do? I mean, where do they go?
1: Right, so we look at what options might fit their needs best, right? Is, could shelter and transitional housing be a good option? Um, Might they be able to work part-time and receive Social Security income for their disabled child? Uh, Might we be able to help get some child support from the other parent to help stabilize the family?
0: So that then would require some legal exactly.
1: And that's where our attorneys can come in to really help uh, these survivors navigate what options they might have.
0: How brightening is that for these people, these women?
1: I mean, incredibly. I think a large part of the work we do is around safety planning. Um, And, you know, what is safety planning? It's it's really these (laughs) everyday little decisions that we all are making, right? But that the survivors we are making are even more in tune and aware of. Right, the people we work with are incredibly resilient. They have lived with somebody who has caused harm, the person they put the most trust in. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes though, it can be helpful to have somebody on the outside also offering suggestions about what might help to just reduce risk a little bit more.
0: What would some of those suggestions be? Safety planning, that's an
1: interesting term. I mean, sometimes it's as small as, okay, we're going to court for the order of protection. Uh, Where do you park your car? What floor do you wanna meet on so that you don't have to face this person in the elevator on accident? Mm -hmm. You know, where do you wanna sit so that we can help you keep your emotional safety, right? And it's not overwhelming before we even get started. Other bigger things are around, you know, can you change the locks? Can we put up cameras in front of the house? Can you talk to a neighbor to keep an eye out? You know, what other resources, what other people are in your life that might be able to help? And it's really just dependent on the individual. Right of what, um, what resources they have, what they can build on. Restraining
0: orders, do yes. they work?
1: <laughs> you know, or, uh, restraining orders or orders of protection can be a huge help, right? They can be a tool for some to keep somebody away. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, it depends on how the respondent uh, responds to it. You know, how that the abuser uh, if they are taking it seriously if they will follow that order.
0: and Or they could just get agitated by the fact that you have done this.
1: You really have to be careful in each case. It is not a one size fit all So, wow.
0: Well, according to the CDC, women return to their abusers eight times before finally leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, are these the women that you're, you're helping to build better lives with, I mean?
1: Absolutely, you know, it's, I mean, it is an honor to get to walk with these folks uh, on their journey as they are ending one chapter and trying to start a anew. Uh, but we see every day the barriers that people face and why uh, people might return to an abusive partner, frankly, right? There's a lot of reasons.
0: What are they? It's a couple.
1: Yeah, so one, I think, is what we're talking about here, money, finances, stability. Mm -hmm. Do you want to choose living in a car with your kids when you have a home here, you know, food on the table? You know, uh, will you be able to make it with the cash that you have, with the job that you have? Will the kids be safe if you separate from this parent? You know, and that parent is now getting one-on-one time with them, likely. Or some people are like, I don't want to separate. I don't want to separate my kids from their dad. He can be a good dad. You know, but I'm not safe here anymore. This isn't okay for me.
0: That number eight times.
1: Mm, right. It's heartbreaking, isn't it?
0: Do you find that traditionally to be the case with the women that you're in, uh, working with? You it, 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 yeah. it took
1: them that many, uh, many times to leave. You know, I we see we do see it. I think a lot of times when people come to our office that they actually are able to get an attorney, uh, that many times they have already gone through that process. Mm-hmm. You know, and now they're ready to finalize something with a divorce or with a custody plan. But we often hear about all the times that they tried again. You know, that they had hope that maybe that person's gonna get better. Because it's a rational thought, right? Yeah. The person that you're married to says, I'm so sorry, hun. I made a mistake again. I was upset about my job. I'll quit drinking, I'll get I'll counseling. It won't happen again. And of course, any rational person would say, I hope, I think, okay, maybe that's, maybe they mean it this time. Yeah.
0: Thank you. We're going to take a break here. But when we come back, Jackie and Motrice will have some legal information Education St. Louis by the Open Source is an information show about new local learning resources. We even teach history and promote books. I'm your host, Sharon Stevens. Find these shows in our video-on-demand library, YouTube, and our website, educationstlouis.com. Jackie Matrici is a senior staff attorney in the Lasting Solutions Family Law Program at Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. She represents survivors of violence, including divorce, custody issues, and orders of protection. Jackie, welcome to Healthy You. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate your time. Um, You fight for people in need of desperate help. How do you get your cases?
2: Well, we have a pretty sophisticated intake process at Legal Services, so they'll go through an intake to make sure that they are income eligible, uh, because we work with low-income individuals, and then they'll... Self report that they've experienced violence and that makes them eligible for our uh, family law work. Um, We'll do a conflict check because we are a law firm to make sure that we aren't uh, representing anyone where we have a conflict of interest.
0: Oh, you said conflict check. I wasn't sure what that meant.
2: No, just to make sure that we're representing, uh, that we're not representing someone who has an adverse interest to someone we previously represented. Um, And then uh, our team, our lasting solutions family law team which consists of seven attorneys, three paralegals, and four social workers. We'll review cases every other week to determine which ones we can be the most impactful on and what kind of resources and availability we each have in our individual caseloads.
0: That's a large staff, which
2: makes me think that there's a problem, that there's a significant
0: problem in the community. We've
2: grown a lot in recent years. Um, I think it's fair to say that we've never been able to fully meet the need. We give more calls than we're able to help with, but we're pretty excited to have grown as large as we are to be able to have a a larger impact for folks in the area. Would there be
0: referrals from police or other church groups, social service agencies? and When you talk about the intake, Mm -hmm they're coming to you
2: not on their own or both both. right so we have uh, a number of different partner agencies that we work with who refer pretty regularly to us we get referrals from police we get referrals directly from the court system so sometimes judges will see people in their courtroom and they're like this person's going to need some more help and they'll send them our way Um, we have an online intake so if you are aware of our agency and you need that help you can do a i guess you call the self referral and come through our doors that way too i see and what are your numbers
0: like here lately
2: so um luckily we just reviewed some numbers from last year um for the agency overall and so that's this is not just family law but we had 27,000 calls last year 5,000 of those were for Last inclusions uh, family law help
0: oh that says that, that's heartbreaking to know yeah. that the numbers are 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 that um uh, that way well, you just explained the process to some extent that um a person can call on their own mm-hmm. and or be referred, but we know sometimes victims have a hard time cutting ties with abusers are any of them still in that frame of mind when their case reaches you
2: um yeah. it's pretty rare for a case to get to me, and they're still. W- together with their abuser because by the point uh, by the time they've come to us for help they've decided they want to get a divorce. They've decided they need an order of protection to protect themselves against their abuser. They've decided they need a custody plan because the the other parent of their child is you know potentially violent with them. So it happens every once in a while but by the time it gets to us I think for the most part people have have done what they can to cut those ties.
0: I see. The, and that's a challenge too though, making that decision to cut the tie. Yeah. What yeah. do they say? How do they, they tell you they've approached that process? When they've made the decision, they're in mm-hmm. your do- at your door, do they explain to you how they came to that decision?
2: Um, every once in a while, if it's, if it's something that is important for them to share with us and talk about, I'll listen to that. But I don't, I don't need to know that to do my job. And I don't like to put folks through more of their trauma uh, then I'm going to have to already just to get them the order that they're asking for.
0: Tell me about protective orders. Are they hard to get, and how lo- How do they? Uh, how long does it take? And how often are they violated? Because we've heard some horror stories.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, Missouri has done some really great work in this area. In 2021, they increased the length of time uh, that an order can be in effect for survivors. So initially uh in the olden days before 2021 uh your order would last for a a maximum of one year and you could renew it twice so a total of three years worth of protection so in 2021 they changed the law a little bit that part of the law that i just described is still in existence but if we are able to prove to a court that this particular abuser poses what we call a serious danger to the petitioner in a case we can ask for the order to be entered anywhere from two years to 10 years in length wow. for that first time. And there's no limit on the number of renewals they can get. And when we come in with someone on renewal, if we can get that serious danger finding, we can also ask for that order to be renewed up to the lifetime of the respondent. Well, oh, let me just say this
0: who's going to really wait? I mean, it's possible that someone could want to harm another individual over a 10-year period it could last that long
2: oh yeah i think i've seen a number of cases where uh, abusers just sort of get their their hooks in and they especially when there are children involved right so if you have a child with somebody who's abusing you you're tied to that person for at least 18 years while you raise that child and legally so by the courts if you've got a parenting plan in place so i found a lot of judges are kind of looking at the age of the children when deciding how long they want to give an order of protection for figuring i'm i'm speculating but i assume they're figuring that they'll try to keep that person safe at least while that while they're tied to them for co-parenting purposes
0: i'm just thinking
2: get over it move on i, w- I wish they would <laughs> i wish they would yeah
0: um seems
2: like um mm.
0: Well, once, uh, once an order is violated, mm-hmm. what is the recourse for the individual?
2: So there's two options, um, and both are available. You don't have to choose between them. One is a criminal option, violations of an order of protection as a, a crime in the state of Missouri. The first violation is a misdemeanor, and beyond that, they, they escalate through the felonies. I don't know exactly uh, what level, what class felony they become, but the more violations you have, the stronger the, the sentence can be. So. Petitioners can file a police report if their order has been violated. They also can file a motion for contempt in civil court, which is where the order is generated with a civil court judge. And then that judge can hold an abuser accountable, a respondent, we call them in court. Uh, That judge can hold a respondent accountable for not following the terms of the order of protection in civil court as well. Do you get many who don't follow the order? Uh, It's pretty (laughs) common that orders are violated. You're kidding. No, I wish I were kidding. No, it's pretty common that sometimes folks who um, are controlling and abusive it to them it's just a piece of paper so they're gonna do what they want anyway Um, so it's it's pretty pretty common
0: I I, I guess (laughs) I'm getting all worked up (laughs) you better get back I want want people to get worked up about this stuff yeah because you know I mean I've gone through the process I've been through the abuse I've gone through the process of keeping you away You've been told to stay away, but you continue to come around. Mm-hmm. It's like I—I uh, I, I think that's w- totally and and truly wrong. <laughs> it, I mean, it is, yeah. Uh, and the courts have to to have to address it. Mm-hmm. Are the police typically involved
2: in these cases? They get involved if it's a criminal violation. Yes, so they'll they'll be involved in, as far as in investigating that violation, sending charges uh, or sending reports to the. Prosecuting attorney to determine whether charges should be issued, but they don't have to be. It can be just handled civilly in court with the judge if the the petitioner chooses to just file the motion for contempt.
0: But I think about what what we often hear police say: those domestic uh, cases or calls when they're called to a home are are often very dangerous for them. Yes, especially when I the the officer is coming to address a violation of a restraining order. are you familiar with any situations like that, or?
2: I mean, I don't have any firsthand knowledge okay. of that, but I, I, have the, the police officers that I have worked with and talked to have concurred with what you said. It's, it can be the most dangerous call that they go on is a domestic violence call. Um, I, I think. Sometimes having that order of protection in place makes it a little bit easier for police because it's it's pretty clear cut what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do. So if we're talking about someone who's calling the police because they're feeling harassed or they're feeling threatened, but they don't have an order of protection, it's a little bit of a a more wishy-washy situation. But if we've got an order of protection, we have a judge who has said, no, I made a finding that this behavior has been happening and it needs to stop. There's like a, a delineated list of things that they cannot do, and so the police, I think, to some extent, might have an easier time arresting or are doing an investigation on the violations because it, it's a little more clear mm-hmm. that a crime has been committed. Okay.
0: Well, Missouri ranks number three for domestic violence. How bad is it in the St. Louis region?
2: Uh, it's hard for me to say because I don't uh, keep track of statistics like that, but I can say, like I mentioned earlier, 5,000 calls that we had last yeah. year were just for family law assistance. All of those would be uh, survivors of domestic or gender-based violence. Of those, all of our family law programs, um, we provided some level of service to about 974 folks. So the, the need is out there. It's greater than we can meet with the resources that we have. And you've already expanded your staff. And we've expanded our staff once, yes.
0: Ah, this is, um pretty scary and uh, truly sad, but it's good to know that there are people out there working to um, address the problem and mm-hmm. hopefully correct the situation and, and help women find the protection they need. And I suppose, I, I shouldn't just say women. Are men ever in that situation too? Yeah,
2: I, I don't know the stats on it, but yeah, it's uh, domestic violence is something that kind of doesn't really discriminate Uh, socioeconomic status, race, gender. It's it's happening everywhere. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Um, We'd like to thank Laura and Jackie for their time. If you are a domestic violence victim, know that you're not alone. Seek the help that you need so that you can protect your kids. I'm your host, Bonita Cornute.